sun is shining. The Lord is always good. Wonderful. So, for those that are on social media, you'll have seen this photo that I posted out three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary, which means that next year is quite a big one. And, um, so anyone that has any ideas for a 25th silver wedding anniversary celebration that doesn't break the bank, let me know. And uh, did, did you watch the royal wedding yesterday? Did people watch that? That, that was good. That was good. You know, if you, mi- if you missed the preach yesterday... Go to YouTube and watch it, because, man, that guy can preach. Um, now, the reason I reference that is those who of you are married here, or you've been married, or you've seen a wedding, there are some key words in the service, aren't there? Two little short words. I do. I do. Simple, short phrase that actually makes a really big commitment. A commitment to love and serve another person, for richer, for poorer, for sickness and in health, for faithful lovers, I do. Anyone else made commitments like that in life? You know, maybe you've been married and you've made that commitment. And you, know, and you, and you do that, I'll, I'll love that person forever. Or maybe you've made that kind of commitment to a sports team. You know, your team is winning. All is going well. And you say, I will follow this team come hell or high water, rain, sunshine, I'll be there, home games, away games, I'm in, I do. Or maybe you've been to a great event at one of your kids' schools, and then they ask for volunteers for the Parent Teacher Association, and in the euphoria of the moment, you say, I do, I'm in. The challenge for many of us is how we follow through when those feelings of euphoria have evaporated. So I love this quote. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. That is what commitment is. Commitment means we make a decision and then we just keep going. For those of you around Pete Gregg last Sunday evening, that was at the heart of his talk. Just keep going. Through all of the dysfunction and challenges that come across our path, just keep going. Don't give up. So this is our commitment weekend in the life of our church. It's at the end of our series entitled Excelling in Generosity. If you've missed any of the talks, they're up on the website. Do go and take a look. It's an annual season in the life of our church. We invite everyone that's a part of our church to review their finances, to review their giving. And so if you're visiting this morning, I just wanted to let you know. I'm delighted that you're here this morning. Um, I hope it's helpful, but um, that, that is the context. That's where we are as a church family. If you have a Bible with you this morning, we're going to be looking at some verses from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. That's back in the Old Testament. Uh, do be turning to that if you've got a Bible with you. Those words will come up on the screen in a moment. The background is this. King David had this vision to build a temple in Jerusalem for the worship of God. And he was all set on doing this. But then a prophetic word to, it, it came to him, and basically God said to him, No. You're not going to do it. You've got blood on your hands for all sorts of reasons. You, you're not going to do it. But your son, Solomon, he's got the green light. And so what David does, and this is quite remarkable, he surrenders his dream and his vision to God. That is actually a really smart thing to do, to surrender our dreams to God. But what he does is he continues to help draw up plans, knowing 
that he would never see them become real. He draws up plans. And at the start of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David gathers the whole assembly of the nation together. And he starts by listing what he had personally given from his wealth for this project. He had given 100 tons of gold and 235 tons of silver. That's a lot. That's real generosity. So the king, King David, gave, and then the people gave, and then he prayed. And this is his prayer. We're going to pick it up in verse 10 of this chapter. So David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hand are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you what, uh, what only what comes from your start by showing just a couple of really important foundations from, from David's prayer. And the first is this, that everything begins and ends with God. Verse 10 describes God as being from everlasting to everlasting. That would have a resonance if you're a Bible reader. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, beginning to end. The author and perfecter of faith, the one who starts the journey and the one in whom it finds completion. Everything good starts in God's presence and everything is going to be wrapped up in his presence. There's a book by a Christian author called John Ortberg. It's titled, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back Into the Box. And if you've got children, you, you'll have said that to them. Kids, all the pieces, end of playtime, it all needs to go back into the box. You'll probably have said that to your kids, yeah? Because you don't want to have to tidy up. All goes back into the box. What John Orberg says is that when we get done playing the game of life, everything goes back into the box. The box is about seven foot long, two foot wide, and two foot deep. Everything goes back into the box. Everything begins and ends with God, including our money. We do not take it with us. That is the first foundation. The second foundation is that everything belongs to God. If you flip up the next slide, verses 11 and 12. There's a word or a phrase that just keeps reoccurring in, the, in that section of the text. If you flip to the next one. Yours. From you. You are. Your hands. You see that? Just constantly in David's prayer. David is really clear. Everything belongs to God. And he specifically includes verse 12. Everything belongs to God. So I wonder, when you got up this morning, 
did you pay for the sunshine? Did you pay for the air? Did you pay for the dew on the grass? No. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're all gifts. You can't pay for them. You can't earn them. They're gifts from a generous God. The third foundation is that it's, it's exactly that, that everything that we have is a generous gift. And in fact, David makes it really clear, verse 14, everything comes from you. Everything comes from God. God is so generous, everything belongs to him. Yet, he gives, and supremely, in Jesus Christ, giving his own son for us. And so these foundations are really important if we want to be people who handle uh, money wisely, to handle it biblically, and to excel in generosity. How do these foundations make a difference? Let me share some thoughts with us this morning. The first is, these foundations impact how we view our money. They impact fundamentally how we view money. This is my worry. This is 100 you know these new notes? I haven't quite got used to them. I love the way that you can zoom out and they come out okay. But they do feel sort of like fake. 100 pounds. It's mine. It belongs to me. And so it goes in my pot. If I think that way, I'd like to suggest I've already gone a little bit astray from the teachings of the Bible. Because what we've just read is that everything belongs to God. And so this is God's pot, and so everything belongs to Him. That is the way that the Bible would teach us to view our money. And so when we think about giving, that is the foundation, that everything belongs to Him. It is not mine, it belongs to Him. And so the question when I come to giving is more, well, it's sort of less, God, what should I give, and more, God, what are you allowing me to spend? So in other words, of that, God, what are you releasing back to me? And what stays with you? And so if I take the example of tithing, that the biblical practice of giving a tenth part, it's like God releases 90 pounds to me. But that 10 stays with him. And in, 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 the, in the language of the Bible, it says, don't touch that. That, that, that belongs to God. That stays with God. This, this is for me. This is for my food and, I don't know what else. Everything's full of next. I'm going to remember the next couple of days. Praise the Lord. And it costs about <laughs> So that's why it is best to give at the first, well, the first point after we get paid. We get, our giving goes on the very day after our salary comes in. That important. It's because that is God. And I don't want to be tempted to touch that. You see, if, if my temptation is, you know what, I, I'm going to give that to God, but you know, I'm going to hold on to it just for the moment, just in case. Just in case you know, something goes wrong this month. Then there is a temptation for us to dig into it, and that is a danger. Because Malachi chapter 3, if you've read that, is quite sober. Because what God said to people is if you start touching that, that bit that is God's, it says that you're stealing. Because that's not ours to touch. That belongs to 
feeling from God. That was the illustration. Right now, I hate it. Okay, that's it. You see why that foundation is really important? And how we actually view the things that are in our lives. Second thing is these foundations impact what we do with our money. I believe that as we recognize that everything belongs to God, we will understand that what we have is not actually ours. It is given to us, and it is entrusted to us. And we don't get to take it with us. So what that means is that we need to have an investment strategy. And you might be thinking, Andy, I have no idea how to get an investment strategy. No problem. Jesus gives us one. Jesus gives us one. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Let me, let me read this. This is Jesus' investment strategy. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in eternity. That's where you're going to get the best returns on what you have. Now, please hear me here. I'm not saying that we shouldn't invest in other ways. It is, it is good to save. It is good to have a pension. We need to be wise. We need to do what we can to make provision for our, you know, our years to come and for our families. Those are good things. But at the same time, I believe that it is important that we make kingdom investments. You know, it's important when we think about our giving that we don't think about our giving to a church as being like a club membership, where we pay five pounds a month to be a member of a club. That is not a good way to think about giving. Now, I would say that if you're a part of this church and that you have an income, but you're not yet giving, it is important to think about who's paying for your coffee and whether that's, you know, that's a fair thing. But that is not the best way to think about giving. The best way I believe to think about it is as making an eternal investment. You see, the people that we reach out to now, the, the young people, the children that are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, writing things like Alpha, um, serving people in material poverty through ministries like Storehouse, these are eternal investments. You see, as I think about my giving, one of the things that I know is that there are going to be people in heaven because of what I've given. And that, I believe, is true for every one of you here who gives to a local church. There are going to be people in heaven because of what you have done. That is the best investment you're going to make this side of glory. Thirdly, these foundations, I believe, help us to grow in generosity. Why is that? Well, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are someone who has made a commitment follow Christ. And you've made a commitment to become more like him. At that moment where Jesus met you, you said, I do. And you've made a commitment to follow him. And you've made a commitment to become more like Christ. And Jesus, amongst lots of things, is very generous. In fact, he gave everything. And so, in being generous in our lives, one of the things that we are doing is reflecting God's nature. 
And I know as I'm honest with myself, I still hold on to things. I'm nowhere near as generous as Jesus. So what that means is that I have a long way to go. But it is a commitment that I've made. When I said I do to Jesus, I made a commitment to become more and more like him. Let me ask you this question. How many of you here, and you can indicate, this is an embarrassing thing, how many of you here have become part of our church since June 2005? Just think of it. Since June 2005. In other words, you've been here less than 13 years. Okay, that's quite a number of you. June 2005 is when we opened this auditorium here. And so you are sat in a space that others who at that time were sat in Whitton School were dreaming of and who had given towards this dream. And so those of us that were sat in Whitton School 13 plus years ago were giving for people who were not here yet. People who would come to find Jesus, who would come alive in faith, people who would reconnect with the church, people who might connect with the church for the first time. People like you, who you can just put your hand up. Those who are there were giving for people who were not here yet. That is just like what David did for the temple. He was giving for something that he would not personally see. And so being generous means that we think beyond ourselves and we think to other people. That is at the heart of generosity. Okay. I want to spend just the last few minutes just getting practical this morning. This is our commitment weekend in the life of our church. We've been inviting everyone who's a part of our church um, to review uh, their finances, to review their giving, and to make a response today. And we've been inviting that in two areas. The first is in our general giving for the life of our church. You know, that general giving that, that makes the lights come on, the coffee, the, the stuff for children and youth, our, our ministry projects, all of those kind of things. And then second area is our church centre development, the ongoing development of this ministry centre basically. And so myself and Bethan, we've been thinking and praying for ourselves as a family. Uh, we've filled out our response card. We'll be bringing that uh, this morning. If, if you've already done that, wonderful. If you haven't done that yet, there will be time to do so in a few minutes. Uh, Rob will talk us through the practicalities of that. But let me just share a few thoughts this morning. The first place to start, our encouragement is to start with our regular giving, what we might also call tithing. I know many uh, families in this church give by standing order. Uh, we've done that for 20 plus years. Um, our, our pastoral staff team do exactly the same. For us as a church, that is our favorite way for people to give, simply because there are no bank charges that we incur. And there is very little administrative work that is required for us to administer that. It's also possible to give via our church website. But just so that we're aware, every gift there incurs a charge of about 2 to 3% for, for handling fees. So that, that's why standing order is our preferred way. I also just want to make this, this comment this morning. I know that for a number of people in our church congregation, it is really important for you that you bring your physical gift 
whether that played by cash or by check, I know that for you it is really important that you physically bring that into the Lord's house on the Lord's day. Now, sometimes when I talk to some of our brethren here and I say, hey, have you ever spoken, have you ever thought about setting up a standing order? You just look at me stupidly. I bring my gift into the church, and I absolutely get that, and I have huge respect for that. And at the same time, I want to help everybody in this church to give regularly, because that's what the Bible instructs us to do. I want to encourage people to not give sporadically, just to look at you know, what loose change we've got in our pocket. That's kind of what we do in a restaurant when we tip a waiter. And I don't think that's a good way to approach our giving. We want to give God our very best. So, where am I going with all of that? What I'm saying is, what we have done is prepare these, these bundles. These are our giving envelopes. And what we've done is prepare bundles of 12 envelopes, one per month. They're actually labeled with the month. You can find bundles of these on both of the giving tables at the side of the auditorium. And so, if this is helpful to you, if you are someone who brings a physical gift at a weekend service, and that's the way that you love to give, love to give, fully respect that. But I'm hoping that this might help to get regular in your giving. So if that is helpful to you, please pick up a bundle of envelopes from either of the side tables. The second area of giving is our church center development. Um, you know, we've got this beautiful foyer next door and the first floor room um, that our children are in this morning. It's been a huge blessing to us. Now, as we've shared, we've had to extend our mortgage in order to finish that job, uh, but we want to repay that as soon as we are able to. Firstly, because it is right to pay off our debts, and secondly, and I think more importantly, simply because we want to be free as a church, free financially, to press into the vision that the Lord is speaking to us about. And I've spoken about this the last couple of weeks. The Lord is giving us vision to explore new local sites of Riverside Vineyard Church in communities around us. Part of our mission as a church to bring life to communities. So we want to become one church, many places. And one of the things that will significantly help us is if we could reduce or eliminate our mortgage. Now our mortgage borrowing currently stands at about £400,000. We said we had to increase um, that facility in order to finish the building next door, but we would love to pay off that debt. And so I want to ask, I want to invite this morning, are you able to give above and beyond your regular giving towards our church centre development? That might be a one-off gift today, it might be a pledge over the coming year, it might be a setting up of a monthly gift over this coming year. But I would love to um, ask you to prayerfully consider that today. I'm going to close and then, and then pray and then hand back to Rob. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Um, this church, I believe, could be a very generous community of people. Very generous in lots of different ways. And for myself and Bethan, that makes us very proud in this church. Very proud to lead a generous simply that we would excel in this grace of giving. That's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. You excel in all sorts of things. Excel in this grace of giving. 
I would love to pray that prayer with you. Three questions. Lord, thank you so much that when you call us to do something, you also equip us. And Lord, in this area of giving and generosity, Lord, you call us to excel. To write a, write a different story, to write a better story than the world around us. To be known as communities of people that excel in generosity. And Lord, we, we look at that calling, we look at that in the light of Jesus who gave everything. And Lord, we recognize that that is, that is, a, that is a big ask. And, and Lord, that's why, Lord, this morning we acknowledge that where you call, you equip. And so, Lord, I want to ask that for every person here, for every one of us, you would put a courage in our hearts. You would put a determination. You would put a commitment in our hearts to go on excelling in this grace of giving. Lord, I want to ask that where concern over material things, concern over our finances, has any kind of hold on our heart, I speak freedom today in Jesus' name. Free our hearts. Free our hearts. You know, one of the things that giving does is it makes a declaration that we are not going to be controlled by money. We're not going to let that happen. And so we make a commitment to God that says, I am not going to worship money. I'm not going to give any part of my heart to work. I'm going to do everything that I can to wholeheartedly give myself to Jesus Christ. And you might remember that Jesus himself said, you can't serve God and money. You can't serve them both. So who are you going to serve? And so Lord, I want to ask that where uh, the concerns of this world, concerns over our money, concerns over how we might going to pay our bills this month, concerns over our future provision, concerns for our children, concerns for our families, Lord, where they are robbing us of the blessing that you have for our lives, we say no. We pray an end to that today. Free us, release us into a more spacious place in our lives to enjoy what you have given us without worry. And as Joshua said to the people of Israel, choose this day who you're going to serve. And as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. And I want to pray that that would be true of every one of us here today. And imagine Jesus standing in front of you right now, saying, are you, are you in? I'm giving my life to 